City Current Media, this is Doing Good, a show about social enterprises, startups, and global corporations making money while making difference in their communities. I'm Jocelyn Hebda, and today on the show, how a Nashville native turned his passion for business and environmental science into a kayaking social enterprise, and then set his sights on the impact of the family forklift business. If you take a stroll along the Cumberland River in downtown Nashville, it's amazing what you'll see. Blue herons skimming the water for fish, beavers and turtles leisurely sunbathing on the shore, and yes, more than a few bachelorette parties having a good time on Broadway. But just a few years ago, if you thought about kayaking or paddleboarding in the Cumberland River, people would call you crazy. It's too dirty, they'd say, and they'd be right. Ryan Bailey, founder of Cumberland River Kayaking Adventures, knew the river from before the city's economic boom, and he wanted a way to share that with tourists and Nashvillians alike. He grew up with a mother who was a zoologist and a father who worked in the family forklift business called the Bailey Company. Ryan eventually goes on to also work for the Bailey Company and, as you'll hear, guide their environmental impact to zero waste. But first... We start in Nashville, where Ryan learned how business and environmentalism can go hand in hand. I grew up in Nashville, and my parents were big hikers, so we would always go hiking. My mom was a biologist, zoologist, that was what she studied, and so she was always teaching me about fossils or mayflies and other kind of critters that lived in the creeks around Nashville and the birds. So I think that's kind of where I got a lot of my early interest and curiosity from. Um, and then, you know, as I, as I grew up, I started studying science and environmental science. So I went to school for environmental science and business. And my family has a forklift company. And so I'd always kind of been particularly interested in about that intersection between business and nature and science and environmental science. Um, and I always thought that it was something that you know, having an environmentally friendly business was always something that I thought was possible. And, you know, you, you, see, you see it at times in the community, but, um, you know, it's, it's something there's a lot more out there that can be done by every single business. They can make simple decisions that have a big impact. So I went to school for environmental science uh, and business at, at UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And then I did the Peace Corps in Costa Rica. And so in Costa Rica, I worked with uh, microfinance in a small village. So we, we started a microfinance bank. And with that project, we funded a lot of organic agriculture projects, um, women's cooperatives, um, and other businesses that had an environmental focus. So learned a lot about that in ecotourism in Costa Rica. And then when I ultimately, after living in DC for a couple of years after the Peace Corps, I moved back to Nashville. And that was when I started thinking about opening up Cumberland Kayak um, and a business and trying to capture some of that same spirit in Nashville that I felt like was missing. I, could, I found in other cities and in Costa Rica where you could do some pretty amazing environmental and outdoor activities just right in the city you were in. So that was, like, I think, my primary goal. It's really interesting about studying business and environmental science because it seems like those two can't exist <laughs> together, you know? Business is is the polluter or, or, you know, it costs more to be environmentally responsible and so that's not good for the bottom line. Like, did you ever feel kind of a conflict with those two? Yeah, I definitely think there's a, a conflict. I think um, there's primarily a conflict because the cost of 
of not being environmentally conscious is 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 hidden. So I, I think it depends on what you think your resources are and what you think your costs are. So if you like walking down the street and not seeing trash, yeah, I think I think more and more as there's a, I think the the transparency that is available now through the internet and through everybody's through social media, I think is allowed most people to one see the impact of their actions and two know that other people are kind of watching what they're doing. And so I think we've definitely seen some trends of customers caring caring more about environmental activities and pollution. And then a lot of our customers on the kayak company also are, are wanting to hear about our efforts and they're very excited to hear about our river cleanups and other programs and our in our donation programs. We donate two percent to nonprofits in Nashville. So I think there is there is sometimes a conflict but I think for people that are thinking short term, there primarily is a conflict. And if you're thinking about the long term impacts of your business, you're going to want to be sustainable, whether that's um, dollars wise or or with the environment. And so I think, you know, I think more and more people are just kind of looking at all angles and saying, I want to be in business for a long time, not just for a year, trying to maximize profits. And so that's obviously something that's that's important. An important idea in social impact strategy is sustainability. Not in the environmental sense, but systematically. A lot of companies are great at defining their purpose or choosing a designated cause, but not nearly as many create a set plan for how they will make an impact reliably. We saw the devastating consequences of this in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. Back then, most businesses would write a check to their favorite nonprofits at the end of the year usually whatever they had left over as a strategic tax deduction. After the financial crisis, however, there was no money left over. Nonprofits that were counting on a large corporate donation got nothing, and many had to shut down due to lack of funding. Businesses that have built giving into their model make sure that that doesn't have to happen. Cumberland River Kayak has pledged 2% of all sales to environmental organizations, and dedicated over half a dozen fundraiser paddles every season on top of free river cleanup adventures. Building it in early, Ryan made a statement about the purpose behind the business and attracted a customer base in the process. You do a lot to give back. You got the 2% for a better world. You've got the river cleanups. Was that built in from the beginning or did you start the business for a few years and then incorporate it? Yes, we started the river cleanups early on. And at first the river cleanups were kind of word of mouth. We would um, set this up on our website, um, and then we found that people were pretty excited about them, and the staff really appreciated us doing the river cleanups. And so, you know, it kind of went from something that we did internally and in-house to adding in a few partners. So the first, uh, I think a year or two in, we added Cumberland River Compact, and they were instrumental in really building up our volunteer base. So we were able to adopt a stream. We adopted portion of Mill Creek and a portion of uh, the Cumberland River and we have at least monthly cleanups um, through with Cumberland River Compact and usually it's 15 to 20 volunteers per trip. Usually as soon as we announce it the uh, volunteer list fills up immediately so that's always been very exciting to have kind of some buzz and some positive energy flowing on those river cleanups. And uh, then recently we also added Turnip Green Creative Reuse, and they, their role is once we've collected trash on the river, they help us and the other volunteers sort the waste into recycle, compost, reuse, 
and landfill. So that's really been nice to kind of take it full circle and full cycle and um, make it a more meaningful river cleanup and not just take all of it from the river and put it into the dumpster. Our customers have always been enthusiastic and thrilled, thrilled about it. I mean, I think we're obviously we're making their experience on the river better because they are seeing less trash out on the river. So I think that obviously is is a, is a factor. But beyond that, I think everybody likes to support a business that is um, they know some of their their payment is going to be going toward other positive efforts. So I think that makes everybody feel better as a customer of a business like that. But we do find that most of our volunteers are actually very like-minded. So we haven't had to do a lot of education. I think one thing that's kind of interesting, if you are a kayak company, the marketing piece of river cleanups can be kind of tricky because you are wanting customer, you're wanting people to kayak on the river. And so you cleaning up the river is a great thing. On the other hand, you're not trying to give off the impression that the river is not clean. So it is, it is kind of an interesting predicament for, for any kind of a company when that's the resource you're also providing people. But ultimately, I think our goal is, you know, year over year, keep leaving the river cleaner than we found it. And, I, and the signs are out there, that's, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, some of the river cleanups, especially toward the end of the season, we have a hard time finding enough stuff to sort at the end. So that's really been awesome. And, you know, I think the consistency is something that's really important too. Nowadays, sometimes we'll have competitors and other people um, kind of ask about our river cleanups and how they're going, and it, so that's, that's been kind of great. What's so great about Ryan's strategy is that it proactively hits the issue he cares about head on and early before anyone could say, you should really do something about this. That commitment not only separated Cumberland Kayak from its competitors, it built a brand loyalty. I would say the river cleanups, I think the first time one of our river cleanups sold out in a day or two, one of our compacts say, can we add some more kayaks? You know, I think I think that was a, a real turning point because that was something I'd been wanting but had felt kind of distant when we first started the river cleanups. And once we realized how many how excited people were to get out in a kayak and clean the river, it really, it, I mean, it, it made a difference for me because I felt, I guess I felt validated and, you know, it just, it just felt like people were as excited about this as I was and that, that meant a lot to me. I think just on a more foundational level, I think, at first, when we started the company, a couple of kayak companies started the same year for the first time. They had never had uh, retail or outfitters on the river before 2015. And so when we started, the narrative around the Cumberland River was that it was gross, it was nasty, no one went out there. I mean, it was, you drive right over it, you know? I mean, if you were on Broadway, you might go look at it for a split second, then turn around, head back into a bar. So I think there was really, I had doubt that we could even find enough customers to go down the river. But when I, I mean, when I went, when I was testing it out, I found beavers swimming right off of Broadway and blue herons and some of the views at, at night or at dusk, there's a purple martin roost downtown. I, I felt like it was something that I was excited to bring to Nashvilleians but I just, and, and tourists, but I just wasn't sure it was kind of going to take off. And I think, you know, when, at first, you know, kayakers would come down the river and I would just stare at the river and wait for them to turn around, come around the last bend and know they had survived. And I think by season two, when things started picking up and like we sold out our first trip of 20 people and we were, Saturdays were booking up and like we weren't having bad reviews flow in and like people started talking about it and photos were popping up on Instagram. But it was just, it was very exciting to see people actually using the, the Cumberland River as a resource. And I think that, 
that in itself is what has been changing kind of the the story around Nashville and the Cumberland River. So now now it's not something that people just immediately discount or trash. It's something that people view as an asset to Nashville. You know, some of the, some of the great pictures are out there and some of the great reviews are out there that I think people are excited about this river that we have in the middle of our city and it has been important for us for years. I mean, the the reason Nashville, you know, Nashville was founded on the Cumberland River because of the river and we have a lot of history around the river and so it's really exciting to be opening that back up to people and so I think I think that in itself is probably the most powerful thing that I've kind of noticed just getting people out there is changing everything about the river. What did you learn and what made you say okay I can hand this off to somebody and really made you want to focus more on Bailey Company? Well I think it's just tough to do two jobs at once I think is the primary thing. Um, when I first started the company I was working at the Bailey Company all day and then I would clock out at the Bailey Company essentially and go downstairs and jump in a 15-passenger van, drive down to Broadway and start running trips until it got dark and then Saturday I would get up at 7 a.m. and start doing it again all day. So I knew that wasn't really sustainable for myself just health-wise and lifestyle-wise to keep to keep working those kind of hours so my vision was to keep just start growing the company Cumberland Kayak and be able to focus more on the Bailey Company. As a third generation family business, you know, I was kind of at that age and experience level where I need to start taking on more at the family business. And so luckily I was able to start Cumberland Kayak on the early side of that transition, but but now then it kind of hit the point where I needed to focus more on the Bailey Company. And that was great. I mean, I've, I've really had some incredible luck with the hires I made on Cumberland Kayak. So we've had you know, a few really instrumental people that helped grow the kayak company. And the job is not easy. I mean, if you're working at Cumberland Kayak, and we've had some great people, but I mean, you have to be great at customer service. You have to carry boats up a hill. You have to be able to back up a 15-passenger van. If someone gets hot or dehydrated or something like that, you've got to help out in those kind of situations. Um, like I said, there are events that kind of wreak a little bit of ha- havoc on our business. So I really lucked out with some of, some of the people that came through and we've got a great manager now. And so that's kind of really allowed for me to focus more on the Bailey Company and Cumberland Kayak to continue growing at the same time. So I still obviously play a, an important role at Cumberland Kayak, but I'm able to do both in a, in a healthier way. So with Cumberland Kayak in a stable place, Ryan sets his focus on the Bailey Company, one of the nation's largest forklift dealerships with 12 locations across Tennessee, Kentucky, and Georgia. If you think about warehouses and manufacturing or construction industries in general, it's not exactly synonymous with environmentalism. Ryan had his work cut out for him and his goal towards zero waste. Yes, we're doing a lot at the the Bailey Company. So we, just as a quick background, we are a forklift dealership. Our headquarters is in Nashville, Tennessee. We were founded in 1949 by my grandfather. Currently have 12 locations. We've got two in Georgia, one in Kentucky, and then nine in Tennessee. And and so, you know, I think when I first came back from D.C. and started working at the Bailey Company, one of my goals was to make it more environmentally sustainable. And we started off with a few projects early on. So we converted all of our lights to LED lighting. So at 12 stores, we have LED lights at all locations. We have solar panels on seven of our facilities. And so at those facilities, we're usually receiving a credit each month from the electric utility company because we're producing more than we're consuming. So that's been great. I think if you do a solar project and you do LED lighting at the same time, you're going to most likely reduce your electricity costs and then you'll produce more than you consume. So that's, we got those projects off the ground with the LED lighting and 
the solar energy and then wanted to move into some different initiatives. The zero waste thing kind of started early on. Early on, we just tried to make sure we were recycling as well as we could. And then over the last couple of years, we've really kind of turned the corner more towards zero waste. So we've been focusing on improving all of our waste streams and finding sources, solutions for as many uh, items as we can. So we found a plastic wrap recycler outside of Nashville. Plastic wrap was causing us issues for a long time. We found um, some places to recycle old pallets. The broken pallets had been a problem for a long time, so we found that solution. And again, you know, I think anytime you, you have a business and you're trying to do something outside of the norm, it kind of can feel like swimming against the current sometimes. So whenever that's the case, I think if you've got other people in your team that are motivated, that's really going to make the difference. You know, even if even if you're at the top, if you're just one person that wants to do something and there's a couple other hundred people that don't care about it, it's probably going to be tough to pull that off. We, we were, again, just like with Cumberland Kayak, really lucky to have some folks that cared about this as well. I think most of our employees, employees care about it to some degree, and then if they don't, they probably have children that care about it. A lot of our employees also bought into that importance of this, these kind of initiatives. One of our mechanics created a system to drain our used oil bottles. So if you drain those, you actually get, you can get a few gallons. If you're draining several used oil bottles, you can get, you know, gallons of additional used oil, and then at that point you can recycle the plastic oil containers. Um, previously, if there had been oil residue in them, the recycling companies would not take those bottles. So the recycling company actually came out, checked out the bottles that had been drained from this system, and so they would take those, and then we take the used oil and we run that through our shop heaters that heat our shop. And um, so we're actually able to heat our facilities primarily with this used oil that would otherwise just be wasted. So that, that was that's a great example of a program that, you know, we had the idea on the shop, we were able to find the shop heaters, one of our employees figured out a way to recycle our plastic bottles and find more fuel for our heaters at the same time. That was kind of a win-win, and again, that was just one of the things that uh, meaningful and kind of put other, others on the, um, the hunt for similar solutions elsewhere. So a couple other things we've done, you know, we've, we've tried to incentivize our employees and our managers to buy into the process, that it's not something just coming from the very top, it's something that, you know, all employees either see the benefit for or incentivize through. So. I think that's been really important to buy that. It's not just top down, it's top down, bottom up, however you want to look at it, everybody's on the same page. On a larger scale, we're seeing the importance of impact sustainability. If only one person believes the company can contribute to a higher purpose, then they'll never make a real difference. But when employees at every level have bought into the plan, then you've created a reliable impact that will outlast any employee's tenure. Unfortunately, even with buy-in, you'll still run into some issues from trying to build a new system. I think all of our problems come from a lack of communication at times. Since we have 12 branches, sometimes a branch will have a problem that they won't ask us about, and so that something will kind of happen. So for example, when we first started the Zero Waste program, they would have boxes and you know, like apple cores and food products would go into those boxes. And so the boxes were really just supposed to be those items like hydraulic hoses, styrofoam, that sort of thing. But because there was food in there, there you know, sometimes they'd have a bad smell or maybe the mouse would get in there, that kind of thing. You, you'd think that's the kind of thing they would tell us about immediately, but somehow it would go months and they'd be like, well, we're all just, we like the program, but we've got a rodent problem. And it's like, well, you know, wh why didn't y'all tell us about that? Because we're obviously not trying to create a rodent problem at that branch, we're really just trying to 
you know, zero waste is the goal, but we have to be mindful of some of those issues. So I think communication has led to a few problems like that, that I think once people realize we're all just on the same team, we're trying to work through things, everybody kind of gets back on board. You know, since then, we've, we've found a uh, compost solution for those branches and that solved that problem. I thought we'd already had that at that time and we would have not have had that, we wouldn't have had that problem, but um, sometimes a lack of communication can just cause people to kind of be a little slow to move fully where you want them to move. So with employees' support and a corporate communications plan in place, the zero-waste initiatives at the Bailey Company took off. Recycling and composting were on the rise, while multiple locations quit producing trash altogether. The company even qualified for official certification. We, uh, we're currently pursuing the true zero-waste certification. I'm actually waiting some final details about that application right now. And that's going to be a bit of a challenge for us because usually if a company is starting the process from the beginning, they'll have, you know, say 100 pounds of waste and they'll slowly reduce it until now they only have 10 pounds of waste. Well, we're starting this process after several years of having reduced our waste to the point where we don't even have dumpsters at most of our facilities. Our waste has been reduced tremendously, but you know, what is the statistic? I'm about to, about to find out, and it's going to be kind of tough to figure that one out. But we do have nine facilities. I think it's, eight, it's either eight or nine branches without a waste dumpster right now. So we have a little bit of waste that is currently goes to a uh, waste energy company, and, and that's kind of how we've been dealing with that last little bit of waste. Our, our waste currently is, is down to like three or four things. It's hydraulic hoses, used hydraulic hoses, air filters, and some like styrofoam from like Bojangles and places like that. That the, uh, We have a styrofoam recycler that won't take soiled styrofoam. And that's pretty much it. There's like a handful of three or four items that we can't find any home for right now. We're working on those items and trying to figure out that statistic of how much have we actually diverted, but it's definitely a high amount. So I, I, certificate, I think for some companies, certification is the driving force. It, you know, they want it for their marketing programs and that sort of thing, and that's why they're doing the whole project. I think for us, you know, we we're primarily uh, environmentally focused and driven. That's that's why we started the project. So it's not even until year three or four we're even thinking to pursue this. Um, and I think I think now it's it's mainly, you know, I think one we do want to be able to fully market efforts we've already made. You know, for doing something maybe that kind of encourages another customer of ours or another company we're calling on to consider doing it themselves. So it's definitely a I mean, you want to have a ripple effect. I mean, if, if, you, if you really care about what you're doing and the impact you're having, you're going to want to create a ripple effect in your community and with other people that you come in contact with. So I think we're to the point where, especially because we're doing it for the right reason, we need to try to create that, legit, that legitimacy and, and start to have that ripple effect. And, you know, recently, we have had a few customers recently ask us um, to have some, set up some meetings and talk about our programs. So that's, that's been great, and um, I think we just want to continue to, to push that conversation with our customers and, and our vendors. And looking ahead for both businesses, what are you most excited about? What are you looking forward to? You know, I definitely I like the synergies whenever Cumberland Kayak and Bailey Company are able to, have, um, to work together in a way that, that makes sense. I think that's that's great. I think on the kayak side, we're looking forward to continuing to grow. I think, like I was saying, the more people we can get on the river, the more people appreciate that or having, it's changing their perspective about Nashville and about um, what it means to be outdoors in a city. You know, when you go outside and you realize right downtown there are blue herons and turtles and, and beavers, it, it, um, it, it kind of just really does just change your mindset about what a city is and what it can be. And I think moving from that 
I think we've been really focused on you know what is Nashville, and it's got some it's got some incredible things that we're tr- we're trying to open up and share with people. But I think moving into that, what can Nashville be? What you know, and and that's where I'm kind of excited to push this with Cumberland Kayak and see how clean can we get the river. What else can we get people out there doing in the city? You know, can we get more people hiking and biking and and kayaking? And I think that's that's really exciting to me. I think just to continue to, to get more residents and um, tourists out there doing fun stuff and not just drinking on Broadway. And on the Bailey Company, I think it's this, it's the the ability to start to have an impact to other businesses. I think as a forklift company. We're in a lot of distribution centers. We're in a lot of decision makers, inbox, email inboxes. And so we have the ability to hopefully um, impact a lot of other businesses around. And when you're dealing with a distribution center or a warehouse, um, they usually have a lot of key waste items. So if you can figure out a solution, say for plastic wrap or styrofoam or cardboard boxes, well, that's a, that's a problem that's been multiplied by the hundreds or the thousands. Um, and that's that's something so that I think if we can come up with a few solutions that we can share with our customers, we can we can try to make a big difference volume wise. With every interview, I like to ask the driving question behind this project. What does being a good business mean? Yeah, I think I think good business is something that's sustainable. I think there's a lot of ways to make quick business or big business, profitable business, but good business means that your your employees and your coworkers like working with you and at your office and they kind of view you as a long-term solution or you know as a long-term home and so if you know if you're working in in conjunction with your coworkers and your employees and your customers and everybody's got the same goal I think you can really accomplish a lot and I think you know our goal is to keep whether it's the Bailey company or Cumberland Kayak is to leave the place better than we found it I think it's some of the you know triple bottom line I think kind of talk where it's like you want to make a difference in everybody's lives and you know you want people to work with you because they like working with you and it it is great for their their family and not because they have to keep their job and because they have to like have to is you want to be more positive mindset and I think trying to get a business where everybody feels like they're on the same team I think that's kind of the goal and if we can kind of work with our vendors and our customers um, and make a difference in their lives and they make a difference in our lives it's like we can all stay focused on what are the goals and that's that's having a good time on the river leaving the river cleaner than we found it you know making warehousing more environmentally sustainable I think long term is important for any kind of good business that's Ryan Bailey founder of Cumberland Kayak and VP of Operations and Finance at the Bailey Company. And by the way, if you want to know more about Cumberland Kayak's river cleanups or the Bailey Company's true zero waste certification, we'll link to that on our Facebook page, at Doing Good Pod. Thanks for listening to our show. You can subscribe anytime at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. And while you're there, be sure to leave us a review so more people can find the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hebden, and you've been listening to Doing Good. Thank you.